Section 16 of Gray's Anatomy, Part 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by M.L. Cohen. Anatomy of the Human Body, Part 4 by Henry Gray. The Four Brain, Part 4. The hippocampus, the hippocampus major, is a curved eminence about 5 centimeters long, which extends throughout the entire length of the floor of the inferior cornu. Its lower end is enlarged and presents two or three rounded elevations or digitations, which give it a paw-like appearance, and hence it is named a pes hippocampi. If a transverse section be made through the hippocampus, it will be seen that this eminence is produced by the folding of the wall of the hemisphere to form the hippocampal fissure. The main mass of the hippocampus consists of gray substance, but on its ventricular surface is a thin white layer, the alveus, which is continuous with the fimbria hippocampi. The collateral eminence, eminentia collateralis, is an elongated swelling lying lateral and parallel with the hippocampus. It corresponds with the middle part of the collateral fissure, and its size depends on the depth and direction of this fissure. It is continuous behind with the flattened triangular area, the trigonum collateralis, situated between the posterior and inferior cornua. The fimbria hippocampi is a continuation of the cruise of the fornix and will be discussed with that body. A description of the choroid plexus will be found later. The corpus striatum has received its name from the striped appearance which a section of its anterior part presents, in consequence of diverging white fibers being mixed with the gray substance which forms its chief mass. A part of the corpus striatum is embedded in the white substance of the hemisphere and is therefore external to the ventricle. It is termed the extraventricular portion or the lentiform nucleus. The remainder, however, projects into the ventricle and is named the interventricular portion or the caudate nucleus. The caudate nucleus, nucleus caudatus, caudatum, is a pear-shaped, highly arched gray mass. Its broad extremity or head is directed forward into the anterior cornu of the lateral ventricle and is continuous with the anterior perforated substance and with the anterior end of the lentiform nucleus. Its narrow end, or tail, is directed backwards on the lateral side of the thalamus, from which it is separated by the stria terminalis and the terminal vein. It is then continued downward into the roof of the inferior cornu and ends in the nucleus amygdalae at the apex of the temporal lobe. It is covered by the lining of the ventricle and crossed by some veins of considerable size. It is separated from the lentiform nucleus in its greater part of its extent by a thick lamina of white substance called the internal capsule, but the two portions of the corpus striatum are united in front. The lentiform nucleus. Nucleus lentiformis, lenticular nucleus lenticulum, is lateral to the caudate nucleus and thalamus and is seen only in sections of the hemisphere. When divided horizontally, it exhibits to some extent the appearance of a biconvex lens, while a coronal section of its central part presents a somewhat triangular outline. It is shorter than the caudate nucleus and does not extend as far forward. It is bounded laterally by a lamina of white substance called the external capsule, and lateral to this is a thin layer of gray substance termed a claustrum. Its anterior end is continuous with the lower part of the head of the caudate nucleus and with the anterior perforated substance. In a coronal section through the middle of the lentiform nucleus, two medullary laminae are seen dividing it into three parts. The lateral and largest part is of a reddish color and is known as the putamen while the medial and intermediate area of a yellowish tint and together constitute the globus pallidus. All three are marked by fine radiating white fibers, which are most distinct in the putamen. The gray substance of the corpus striatum is traversed by nerve fibers, some of which originate in it. 
The cells are multipolar, both large and small. Those of the lentiform nucleus contain yellow pigment. The caudate and lentiform nuclei are not only directly continuous with each other anteriorly, but are connected to each other by numerous fibers. The corpus striatum is also connected, one, to the cerebral cortex by what are termed corticostriate fibers, two, to the thalamus by fibers which pass through the internal capsule, and by a strand named ansa lentiformis, three, to the cerebral peduncle by fibers which leave the lower aspect of the caudate and lentiform nuclei. The claustrum is a thin layer of gray substance situated on the lateral surface of the external capsule. Its transverse section is triangular, with the apex directed upward. Its medial surface, contiguous to the external capsule, is smooth, but its lateral surface presents ridges and furrows corresponding with the gyri and sulci of the insula, with which it is in close relationship. The claustrum is regarded as a detached portion of the gray substance of the insula, from which it is separated by a layer of white fibers, the capsula extrema, band abalarger. Its cells are small and spindle-shaped and contain yellowish pigment. They are similar to those of the deepest layer of the cortex. The nucleus amygdalae, amygdala, is an ovoid gray mass situated at the lower end of the roof of the inferior cornu. It is merely a localized thickening of the gray cortex, continuous with that of the uncus. In front, it is continuous with the putamen, behind with the stria terminalis and tail of the caudate nucleus. The internal capsule, capsula interna, is a flattened band of white fibers between the lentiform nucleus on the lateral side and the caudate nucleus and thalamus on the medial side. In horizontal section, it is seen to be somewhat abruptly curved with its convexity inward. The prominence of the curve is called the genu and projects between the caudate nucleus and the thalamus. The portion in front of the genu is termed a frontal part and separates the lentiform from the caudate nucleus. The portion behind the genu is the occipital part and separates the lentiform nucleus from the thalamus. The front part of the internal capsule contains 1. Fibers running from the thalamus to the frontal lobe 2. Fibers connected to lentiform and caudate nuclei 3. Fibers connecting the cortex with the corpus striatum and 4. Fibers passing from the frontal lobe through the medial fifth to the base of the cerebral peduncle to the nucleus pontus. The fibers in the region of the genu are named the geniculate fibers. They originate in the motor part of the cerebral cortex and after passing downward through the base of the cerebral peduncle with the cerebrospinal fibers undergo decussation and end in the motor nuclei of the cranial nerves of the opposite side. The anterior two-thirds of the occipital part of the internal capsule contain the cerebrospinal fibers, which arise in the motor area of the cerebral cortex and, passing downward through the middle three-fifths of the base of the cerebral peduncle, are continued into the pyramids of the medulla oblongata. The posterior third of the occipital part contains 1. Sensory fibers largely derived from the thalamus, though some may be continued upward from the medial lemniscus. 2. The fibers of the optic radiation, from the lower visual centers to the cortex of the occipital lobe. 3. Acoustic fibers from the lateral lemniscus to the temporal lobe, and 4. Fibers which pass from the occipital and temporal lobes to the nuclei pontus. The fibers of the internal capsule radiate widely as they pass to and from the various parts of the cerebral cortex, forming the corona radiata, and intermingling with the fibers of the corpus callosum. The external capsule, capsula externa, is a lamina of white substance situated lateral to the lentiform nucleus between it and the claustrum and continuous with the internal capsule below and behind the lentiform nucleus. It probably contained fibers derived from the thalamus, the anterior commissure, and the subthalamic region. The substantia anominata of Minert, 
is a stratum consisting partly of gray and partly of white substance, which lies below the anterior part of the thalamus and lentiform nucleus. It consists of three layers, superior, middle, and inferior. The superior layer is named the ansa lentiformis, and its fibers, derived from the medullary lamina of the lentiform nucleus, pass medially to end in the thalamus and subthalamic region, while others are said to end in the tegmentum and red nucleus. The middle layer consists of nerve cells and nerve fibers. Fibers enter it from the parietal lobe through the external capsule, while others are said to connect it with the medial longitudinal fasciculus. The inferior layer forms the main part of the inferior stalk of the thalamus and connects this body with the temporal lobe and insula. The stria terminalis, tania semicircularis, is a narrow band of white substance situated in the depression between the caudate nucleus and the thalamus. Anteriorly, its fibers are partly continued into the column of the fornix. Some, however, pass over the anterior commissure to the gray substance between the caudate nucleus and the septum pellucidum, while others are said to enter the caudate nucleus. Posteriorly, it is continued into the roof of the inferior cornea of the lateral ventricle, at the extremity of which it enters the nucleus amygdalae. Superficial to it is a large vein, the terminal vein, vein of the corpus striatum, which receives numerous tributaries from the corpus striatum and thalamus. It runs forward to the interventricular foramen and there joins with the vein of the choroid plexus to form the corresponding internal cerebral vein. On the surface of the terminal vein is a narrow white band named the lamina affixa. The fornix is a longitudinal arch-shaped lamella of white substance situated below the corpus callosum and continuous with it behind, but separated from it in front by the septum pellucidum. It may be described as consisting of two symmetrical bands, one for either hemisphere. The two portions are not united to each other in front and behind, but their central parts are joined together in the middle line. The anterior parts are called the columns of the fornix, the intermediate united portions of the body, and the posterior parts the crura. The body, corpus fornicus, of the fornix is triangular, narrow in front and broad behind. The medial part of its upper surface is connected to the septum pellucidum in front, and to the corpus callosum behind. The lateral portion of this surface forms part of the floor of the lateral ventricle and is covered by the ventricular epithelium. Its lateral edge overlaps the choroid plexus and is continuous with the epithelium covering of the structure. The undersurface rests upon the telechoridae of the third ventricle, which separates it from the epithelial roof of that cavity and from the medial portions of the upper surfaces of the thalami. Below, the lateral portions of the body of the fornix are joined by a thin triangular lamina named a saltarium, lyra. This lamina contains some transverse fibers which connect the two hippocampi across the middle line and constitutes a hippocampal commissure. Between the saltarium and the corpus callosum is a horizontal cleft, the so-called ventricle of the fornix. Ventricle of verga is sometimes found. The columns, columna fornicus, anterior pillars, fornicolumns, of the fornix arch downward in front of the interventricular foramen and behind the anterior commissure, and each descends through the gray substance in the lateral wall of the third ventricle to the base of the brain, where it ends in the corpus mammillare. From the cells of the corpus mammillare, the thalamomammillary fasciculus, bundle of vic d'azur, takes origin and is prolonged into the anterior nucleus of the thalamus. The columns of the fornix and the thalamomammillary fasciculus together form a loop resembling the figure 8, but the continuity of the loop is broken in the corpus mammillare. The column of the fornix is drawn by the stria medullaris of the pineal body and by the superficial fibers of the stria terminalis, 
and is said to receive also fibers from the septum pellucidum. Zuckercondyl describes an olfactory fasciculus which becomes detached from the main portion of the columns of the fornix and passes downward in front of the anterior commissure to the base of the brain, where it divides into two bundles, one joining the medial stria of the olfactory tract, the other joins the subcolossal gyrus, and through it reaches the hippocampal gyrus. The crura, crus fornicus, posterior pillars, of the fornix are prolonged backward from the body. They are flattened bands and at their commencement are intimately connected with the undersurface of the corpus callosum. Diverging from one another, each curves around the posterior ends of the thalamus and passes downward and forward into the inferior cornu of the lateral ventricle. Here it lies along the concavity of the hippocampus, on the surface of which some of its fibers are spread out to form the alveus, while the remainder are continued as a narrow white band, the fimbria hippocampi, which is prolonged into the uncus of the hippocampal gyrus. The inner edge of the fimbria overlaps the fascia dentata hippocampi, dentate gyrus, from which it is separated by the fimbriodentate fissure. From its lateral margin, which is thin and ragged, the ventricular epithelium is reflected over the choroid plexus as the lateral projects to the choroidal fissure. Interventricular foramen, foramen of Monroe. Between the columns of the fornix and the anterior ends of the thalami, an over-aperture is present on either side. This is the interventricular foramen and through it, the lateral ventricles communicate with the third ventricle. Behind the epithelial lining of the foramen, the choroid plexus of the lateral ventricles are joined across the middle line. The anterior commissure, precommissure, is a bundle of white fibers connecting the two cerebral hemispheres across the middle line and placed in front of the columns of the fornix. On sagittal section, it is oval in shape, its long diameter being vertical and measuring about five millimeters. Its fibers can be traced lateralward and backward on either side beneath the corpus striatum into the substance of the temporal lobe. It serves in this way to connect the two temporal lobes, but it also contains decussating fibers from the olfactory tracts. The septum pellucidum. Septum lucidum is a thin, vertically placed partition consisting of two laminae separating, in the greater part of their extent by a narrow chunk or interval, the cavity of the septum pellucidum. It is attached above to the undersurface of the corpus callosum, below to the anterior part of the fornix behind, and the reflected part of the corpus callosum in front. It is triangular in form, broad in front and narrow behind. Its inferior angle corresponds with the upper part of the anterior commissure. The lateral surface of each lamina is directed towards the body and anterior cornu of the lateral ventricle, and is covered by the ependema of that cavity. The cavity of the septum pellucidum, cavum septum pellucidae, pseudoceal, fifth ventricle, is generally regarded as part of the longitudinal cerebral fissure, which has become shut off by the union of the hemispheres in the formation of the corpus callosum above and the fornix below. Each half of the septum therefore forms part of the medial wall of the hemisphere and consists of a medial layer of gray substance derived from that of the cortex and a lateral layer of white substance continuous with that of the cerebral hemisphere. This cavity is not developed from the cavity of the cerebral vesicles and never communicates with the ventricles of the brain. The choroid plexus of the lateral ventricle. Plexus choroidius ventriculus lateralis, paraplexus, is a highly vascular fringe-like process of pia mater which projects into the ventricular cavity. The plexus, however, is everywhere covered by a layer of epithelium continuous with the epithelial lining of the ventricle. It extends from the interventricular foramen where it is joined with the plexus of the opposite ventricle to the end of the inferior cornu. 
The part in relation to the body of the ventricle forms the vascular-fringed margin of a triangular process of pia mater, named the telocoridea of the third ventricle, and projects from under cover the lateral edge of the fornix. It lies upon the upper surface of the thalamus, from which the epithelium is reflected over the plexus onto the edge of the fornix. This portion, in relation to the inferior cornu, lies in the concavity of the hippocampus and overlaps the fimbria hippocampi. From the lateral ends of the fimbria, the epithelium is reflected over the plexus onto the roof of the cornu. It consists of minute and highly vasculovillous processes, each with an afferent and an efferent vessel. The arteries of the plexus are a. The anterior choroidal, a branch of the internal carotid which enters the plexus at the end of the inferior cornu, and b. The posterior choroidal, one or two small branches of the posterior cerebral which passes forward under the splenium. The veins of the choroid plexus unite to form a tortuous vein which courses from behind forward to the interventricular foramen and there joins with the terminal vein to form the corresponding intercerebral vein. When the choroid plexus is pulled away, the continuity between its epithelial covering and the epithelial lining of the ventricle is severed and a cleft-like space is produced. This is named the choroidal fissure. Like the plexus, it extends from the interventricular foramen to the end of the inferior cornu. The upper part of the fissure that is the part nearest the interventricular foramen, is situated between the lateral edge of the fornix and the upper surface of the thalamus. Farther back, at the beginning of the inferior cornu, is between the commencement of the fimbria hippocampi and the posterior end of the thalamus, while in the inferior cornu, it lies between the fimbria in the floor and estria terminalis in the roof of the cornu. The telocoridea of the third ventricle. Telocoridea ventriculis tertii, velum interpositum is a double fold of pia mater, triangular in shape which lies beneath the fornix. The lateral portions of its lower surface rest upon the thalami, while its medial portion is in contact with the epithelial roof of the third ventricle. Its apex is situated at the interventricular foramen. Its base corresponds with the splenium of the corpus callosum and occupies the interval between that structure above and the corpora quadrigemini and pineal body below. This interval, together with the lower portions of the choroidal fissures, is sometimes spoken of as the transverse fissure of the brain. At its base, the two layers of the velum separate from each other and are continuous with the pia mater investing the brain in this region. Its lateral margins are modified to form the highly vascular choroid plexuses of the lateral ventricles. It is supplied by the anterior and posterior choroidal arteries already described. The veins of the telocoridea are named internal cerebral veins, venae galenae. They are two in number and run backward between its layers, each being formed at the interventricular foramen by the union of the terminal vein with the choroidal vein. The internal cerebral veins unite posteriorly in a single trunk, the great cerebral vein, vena magna galenae, which passes backward beneath the splenium and ends in the straight sinus. End of section 16.